Trey's Deuce Nerd! Double Bill, Double Bill Comparing culture, it's Double Bill Putting two things together, it's Double Bill It's Double Bill Goes together like chocolate and peanut butter Like Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers Like a hamburger and a bun Like baby ducks and staple guns Record scratch! Double bill, double bill Comparing culture, it's double bill Putting two things together, it's double bill It's double bill Hi, I'm Josh, and I'm floating through space and time Hi, I'm Brian, and I'm changing characters in a meaningful way, which I will never explain. Hey everybody, I'm Mikey P, and I am currently chewing on Ava Mendez's hair and a pair of fingers. Gross! <laughs> Delightful. <laughs> You'll get it soon enough. You'll get it soon enough. Or you never ever will. We're gonna go trapsing through space and time first. What this episode of Double Bill is going to comprise of is a Cloud Atlas, the movie by the Wachowskis and Tom Tyker, and uh, Holy Motors, which is by, uh, he's a French filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I'm really excited about this double bill because it's mine, for one thing. Right, right. Uh, I was going to say. Yeah. I picked these two things, uh, trying to be as pretentious as I possibly could. I really wanted to see if we could push the concept of double bill. Did you think I pushed it? You did. Uh, Sweet. Yeah, man. You, uh, you took this outside of probably what I would consider my general comfort level because Cloud Atlas, I knew, was, uh, going in was supposed to be really ambitious. Uh, and a tough one to watch. And then Holy Motors, I had barely even scratched the surface on. And I like the fact that you said that it was to you, you and you enjoyed not only when you first discovered it, but watching Brian and my reaction. I think like one yes. of the one of my great uh, joys of watching both of these movies again was watching Cloud Atlas as a group because I had watched it just with another friend. Uh, and then kind of like, uh, I, we, we were almost kind of riffing Cloud mm-hmm. Atlas as we went through it. But uh, Yes, which bothered me. Because <laughs> you had a trying to follow this plot. And then Holy Motors, I was just really digging on, well, one, experiencing the film again and being like, oh yeah, that happened. Weird. And then watching you two and cackling maniacally mm-hmm. the whole time. It does sort of feel like a fever dream when I look back on it in my head. Well, like, you were you were sick when you watched it, so it could have. Yeah, been that mad. didn't help. But you know, watching it again now, I think it would be like, oh, I thought this was a hallucination, but it, if so, it it stayed pretty regular. It sort of it sort of feels like that, and we'll get to it. But we're gonna start with Cloud Atlas. We're yep. gonna leap right in because we have a lot to cover oh, in terms of Cloud yeah, Atlas three, and like, Holy Motors. Well, almost a three hour movie. It is a three hour three hour movie, and what Cloud Atlas does is the Wachowskis and Tom Tyker adapt David Mitchell's novel of the same name. And it's about, I think it's six interweaving narratives. Yep. And really interweaving. Uh, some of the, There is some interweaving between them. There's, uh, yeah, there's enough to show it's a shared universe. Yeah, it's a shared universe. That's a good, that's a good way to put it. Right. Linearly, linearly it would, you would say it, it, strand, it, it goes from the 19th century, mid-19th century, all the way up to the 24th century. Yeah, 4th. So, but it doesn't do it in a, in a way I think that um, most audience would be like, okay, so it starts in the past and ends in the future. Mm-hmm. And it, do, it does do that, that interweaving. And I think you have to be really prepared for the jimping jumpy that happens. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm like, I'm like, all right, are we going to start on this, on this, you know, is this going to be a, uh, okay, is this a Darwin expedition? And, Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, you're in like neon lights and Blade Runner, and it just looks like because where, where we start the narrative is, I think, in the future, 
with uh, Tom Hanks's uh, future character from The Big Island in twenty three twenty one. Oh yeah, but somewhere else we won't get to that. But uh, he's telling a story of how we're all interconnected, mm-hmm. and then the movie proper begins and I, I can't remember where our first entry point is after that but we go uh, back into uh, the South Pacific I think in 1849 uh, where there's a slave trade going on mm-hmm. uh, that's and then we go to San Francisco in 1973 mm-hmm. where uh, Halle Berry Berry's character is sort of um, uh, trying to get in on big She's an invest- yeah. She's an investigative journalist into a into a, a nuclear factory. It's a very yeah, it. the Three Mile Island kind of incident. Yeah. So um, that's happening. Uh, we also get into Cambridge. There's a uh, love affair between two young gay men. Yes. And uh, one of that one of them is a uh, like born on the streets or has like a really hard upbringing, but he's like a really accomplished pianist. Yes. And so he goes to. Um, be what what was the word you used? Amen Amanusis? Amanusis? The person who writes down all the notations. And right. Such. He gets a job. Right. He gets a job with a with a published and famous uh composer. Yeah. Who, and who he works who's who is dried up. Who's dried up and he's past his prime, but he hires uh, he's he's a he's a swindler. He's a he's a con man, but he's also yes a talented musician. He was trying to work on his own sextet, and he works for this guy to like put his ideas that he comes up with to paper. And while he's doing that, he's writing his own tiny little magnum opus to be remembered by. And the Cloud Atlas sextet is like I guess a recurring theme throughout throughout all of these the entire mm-hmm. thing. And the other places we have in this besides them are the UK in 2012, mm. uh, and Neo Soul in. In 2144 and so there's all these interweaving narratives and I don't know how much we want to spend like on each of them probably not a lot all I'm, yeah. well I think I I'll, I'll put this out there right now the uh, the 2012 one for starting off probably with the most violence and the most uh, like the strenuous I think that was the most whimsical of all of them. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh, by the end of it, definitely. By the end of it, it was just like it. It just made me. It just it had me swelling. But the rest of them were really damn heavy. Yeah, they were very <laughs> drama. Yes. Sense. Well, yeah. I mean, if if there is any sort of connecting theme between all of them, it, it's. I, I still haven't put it together in my head, but something about striving for freedom, mm-hmm. which you know works best in 2012 because it's older people striving for freedom from this box that you get put in when you're old and that's fun that's whimsical when you get out oh yeah it, i don't know if it's, it's really fun, fun and whimsical when it's happening to you but well, it, probably not no and it's uh, not when it's you're funny in the because box. it's old people yeah well it's also and the fact that their freedom is so so simple and delightful it's getting out to the pub for a pint yeah, it's and like every everyone else's freedom is escaping from actual slavery or escaping from an irradiated earth covered in hunting cannibal tribes, and that that's less whimsical just by itself. So what what is happening in each of these segments is they're all. Every character is played by the same ensemble of actors, and mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Tom Hanks is in uh, the Big Island in the future. He plays just like a native. Uh, English has sort of kind of degenerated. They're speaking in sort well, of a sort of pigeon. It's they sound like, like Nell. Yeah, it's slanged up. I mean, it, it's just evolved into mm-hmm. true, true. Yeah, it's not true, true. Degenerated necessarily. And then, like in a 2012 segment in the sequence, he plays like a gangster that yeah. is working well, on his playing, novel. He's playing untalented Cockney Chuck Poe. Lunacek. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Is that Scottish? Yeah. I think he's like a Scottish or like Cockney. Uh, like yeah, he's Cockney. Hog, I think it's Cockney. Hog yeah, something. Or, yeah. It didn't feel like oh, Scottish or anything yeah. like that. 
Uh, and then what, where else? In San Francisco, he plays a scientist who gives Halle Berry information. Yep. Mm-hmm. So the uh, and then like Halle Berry, she's playing uh, the investigator rep- reporter in 1973, but she's also the wife of a slave trader in the South Pacific. Yep. Uh, so it's, there's all these different like levels and. Mm-hmm. Uh, text going on in the film it's incredibly ambitious it is ambitious yeah, moreover and I think the other thing and I want and it bears like doubling back eventually all these characters uh, play outside of both race and gender yeah, it's fascinating yeah and I mean and they do this of course via makeup you know, and characterization but you will have uh, Hugo weaving um, a darling of the Wachowskis you know playing both you know these these assassins and uh, then later on playing a very a very brutal nurse in a mm-hmm. nursing home female nurse yeah. uh, Halle Berry at one point plays a Jewish flapper in Austria and then flips over and then plays this you know sassy reporter in the seventies um, uh, the the woman who plays you know hate you <laughs> uh, so she, me so me uh, so me she plays you know a, the the wife. Uh, of of the doctor, you know, who's on the ship. Sure. You, we should probably mention that Jim Sturgis says, plays Hey Jew in the uh, front, in that Neo Soul sequence, oh, instead right. of just saying, like, because uh, as a non sequitur, that just sounded like you were calling out the Jews right there. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, yeah, Neo Soul. Also, Jim Sturgis was in the movie Across the Universe, which utilized a lot of, whoa, IMDB. Anyway, um,. So that that I mean that was the other that's ambitious is to like take a small cast and have them play these plethora of roles. Um, there are websites out there that actually have flowcharts um, that where you can tracking like, all the right, well, you all, have to and like well, the, the lives, the deaths, the where do they go from, and how do they tie into one another? And it's I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's like I can imagine it's a hell of a chart. Oh yes. Yeah. Well, it, doing that ensemble thing is interesting because if they had a different cast for each time period, it would have a completely different implied meaning. We would just be focused on the, the themes and the plots. Mm-hmm. But since it's the same actors, there's this implied like reincarnation mm-hmm. thing, star, which is barely ever touched. I think one character mentions it once. But the fact that it's the same actor makes you want to think, okay, so what's this this soul's progression through the lives? And it gives it a sort of overt connectivity mm-hmm. yeah. that uh, really, it, it, it exercises your brain to kind of like put them together, even though I'm not even sure that they go together half the right. time. Some of them do. I mean, there's like uh, in the... The nineteen should we how much can I spoil here? In nineteen thirty six, one of the gay lovers appears as a character in San Francisco later as an older man. As an older man, yeah. uh, and that happens maybe not very often. I think that's one of the only times. Right? That happens. Yeah, and I mean, Sony shows up as a hologram in the the far distant future, in the far distant future, talking about the influence she had in her soul. Which is really interesting uh, to have those connecting points too. So it does mm. seem like that it's implied. Like reincarnation, but not. Yeah, it, there's. It, it's very, very implied. I mean, they, I, I was sitting after the movie. I was trying to figure out if you're charting the characters as being the reincarnations. What's their soul's journey? And Tom Hanks starts off as a very, very villainous South Seas Island doctor, and then ends up being this sort of miniature saver savior. I mean, he saves with with flaws though. They show him. Oh, yeah, introduce yeah. him. They show. Yeah, him, he like, doesn't become he's a, he's a Jesus or anything, right, right. but he definitely becomes a more noble character mm-hmm. having to overcome his problems but then the problem with trying to chart that is Hugo Weaving 
however his journey goes, he ends as a hallucination of the devil. So mm -hmm. it's a little trickier to figure out his soul's well, progression I, if he's maybe not real. I'm glad you said that because it got me thinking about Jim Sturgis's character because Jim Sturgis's character at the climax of his sequence in the South Pacific, he mm -hmm. kind of has this change of heart as he comes to know a slave who's helped him uh, right. and uh, helped shrug off uh, the villain of that piece, which is Tom Hanks' character. Right. And he sort of becomes a savior in 2144 to Son Me. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, he's a very noble figure in that era, mm -hmm. which is really interesting, I think, in terms yeah. of just... So he's had a trajectory. I don't know about, like, some of the other characters. I think Cavendish cert certainly has a bit of a... I mean, mm. he's just kind of foppish. Yeah, Jim Broadbent. Jim Broadbent's character. Yeah. Um, but other than that... Uh, yeah, well, that's the thing. is, I would want to watch it track. again just to try and track that. And I'm sure if I looked at it, examined each one individually very closely, it, the theory would fall apart. Because two or three would match perfectly, and two or three would not. Mm -hmm. And it might be they sort of double back on themselves in certain periods if you were mm -hmm. looking at it just completely chronologi chronologically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they might not. They might have a little bit of uh, backsliding. Yeah. To well, everybody backslides yeah. in one life. Uh, so I think this, if this movie was uh, made in the seventies, I honestly think they would have had the multiple cast. They would have actually taken that oh, step, yeah. and they would have had the only symbolism that would have been the the through line of the of the soul and the through line of the of right. the, the of sextant. The they would probably play. Yeah. They, yeah. They would some, have had some they object. They would have had like the, the birthmark would have been the noticeable mm -hmm. feature. You know. Oh, yeah. And the they and then a director might have like either given a quick lip service. The symbolism would have been around as it stands, and this is why the movie, without our commentary, de deserves a second look. I took some time. I've, I watched it twice, and I was picking up things on the second time, and then even reading about it, there are there are blink, and you will miss these tiny, mm -hmm. tiny details. Uh, for example, for all these characters, Susan Sarandon is in this movie. Right, Susan Sarandon, and she's like she's like only in I think three scenes, but then they're like, no, she's in pretty much every single one. In fact. Almost all of them are in every. Scene. Well, they have that right. ending yeah, montage where they point out yeah, different characters, yeah, and they're, they're often it's, sometimes it's just a yeah, background just, character, just with a guy or in a photograph, a right? Yeah. In a photograph, like even even Tom Hanks plays the uh, the the scuzzy Scottish landlord. You know, in mm -hmm. 1936, and he's and again he's like very briefly in it, but you know right. he's again he's a cad. You know, and he's he's pretty much got the biggest growth arc out of all of them. And Halle Berry stays almost entirely unscathed, I think, throughout the entire on thing. On the level. Yeah, on the level. Yeah. Jim Sturgis is the same way. Um, uh, Sumi yeah, they is definitely the same have way. less darkness internally. Mm -hmm. over. Right, yeah. right. And, like, like trying to figure things out. And they have their own struggles to go through. I think you could even say that, like, Hugo Weaving's character, like, succumbs to darkness. Yeah, well, that, that I was trying to track his downslide because mm -hmm. he starts off as a very, I think... He was a slaveholder. Yeah, he was a slaveholder, but, you know, for that, for its time, whatever you want to make of it. But then he, he gradually goes down to being a more and more oppressive, fighting against people who are trying to fight back, True. until he's a hallucination of the devil, which mm -hmm. is kind of hard to fit in the puzzle. But Well, you could argue that he was always like that as a slaveholder. Right. Like, holding against people who are trying to fight back in the first could place, be, yeah. and so he's just never changed yep. as it's gone on. And I have no idea what... Uh, what do they call him? Old Georgie. In the Old yeah. Georgie. Old yeah. I really Georgie. want to read the book now. I want to see if, if reading the book and getting that close of an examination will find out why is he named George? And seventy three, Mister Smoke. What a what a great name! It's like yeah. Mister Smoke. That's his, that's the hitman's name, you know. And mm -hmm. uh, I yeah, I think the, it, it's a movie I felt sticks with you. Each each of the individual pieces, and you get how it how it's supposed to blend itself together. My my personal biggest issue with it is it just really seems to like 
take this cane out periodically and yerk you back. You know, like you're like, oh, I'm getting into it. And all of a sudden it's like, like you spend a lot of time. I think what takes away, I think that's what I think takes away from it for me personally, is the jerking around of all the, the, the primary cast playing all these different characters. And I had more, whoa, Mm -hmm. moments of these people being dressed up as, you know, Koreans in the future. Uh, Jim Sturgis, James Darcy, Hugo Weaving, Hugh Grant playing, I guess, against type. He's always, Mm -hmm. he's occasionally played cats and scoundrels, but they wanted to point out that in this movie, Hugo Weaving and uh, Hugh Grant both uh, play the only irredeemable characters who never really find, you know, everything that Hugh Grant comes up with is gross. I hear what you're saying in terms of, I think there's a legitimate complaint to be made, especially by Asian American actors about not being able to take the roles that are in the Neo Soul sequences sure. and even in the future too when uh, those uh, characters are present because it's obviously Neo Soul mm-hmm. in the far future kind of just destroyed and what's Tom Hanks doing there as basically a white dude because that's what he, right. that's what he is he's not really blended well that's the sequel to Castaway ah I didn't I didn't get that connecting point oh right, you know right. what and his niece is Wilson the Bell whereas he could have gone something like like you know have you both of you seen Looper. Yes. Not yet. But, yeah. like, I mean, they they picked another actor for it and, mm-hmm. you know, just sort of blended Justin Gordon-Levitt's face yeah. with uh, Bruce Willis's and just used makeup that way. And I think that could have... They could have hired different actors for each segment and they just, just sort of blended them across the board. Oh, yeah. Another complicated problem that might not have worked very well uh, in execution, but it's another avenue they could have gone. But I, 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 the same thing, I think I had the same kind of reaction as you, that the sort of jerked away sort of feeling, especially it, it came down to the makeup, and that's always like a touch-and-go thing if like the makeup doesn't quite work. And like reading them as Koreans in the future was really difficult in like seconds because you're just like, oh, really? You did that? Well, yeah, then you have, when you have like a subtly wrong here. When you have like a majority of the people who are, who are working in the background who are Korean, as well as the as well as the yep, featured actors too. in it, mm-hmm. and then you have you know like four or five Caucasians in it walking around in heavy Korean makeup, except for yeah. Jim Sturgis, who was made up to look like inexplicably Keanu Reeves. Uh, yeah, the, I was really confused watching that. I was like, I was like, is that is that Keanu Reeves? Right, right. <laughs> uh, it's just it it yeah, it took me out of it. My other thing about it is just I I like the idea, and we've talked about these great ideas and our and and our placing on like it's about the journey of the soul and you know redemption. But at the same time, it's like this story is so so fucking ambitious. It's really heavy, mm-hmm. and like I mean, when you compare like the five sequences that are heavy versus the Cavendish stuff, yeah, yeah, like the Cavendish stuff works great. I think that's probably one of the most successful sequences in yes. this film. Yeah. Yes, lighthearted, great fun. Yeah, but it's I mean, there's a certain weightiness to it too, but it's undercut by humor, right. and like all those other segments don't have that really. They're depending primarily on the Cavendish sequence to do that. I know, and then, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, and then like and like in Neo Soul, sort of. It gets into that point when Cav- the Cavendish sequence suddenly appears yes. because Sony is watching an adaptation of Cavendish's story yep. in that yes. p- time period, which is I, just it's just like oh yeah, that was oh this is great. I still maintain that the guy playing Cavendish in that movie is Tom Hanks, the actor, not Tom Hanks playing an actor playing. The it's same. Tom Hanks the actor. It's, the, sure. it's in Tom Hanks' future that he will be in an adaptation of Cavendish. He gets his third Academy Award nomination for that. So is Tom, so is Tom Hanks as is like is he a subtext to this like his whole career? Well, he sure seems to be the last twenty years in America. I think I think it would have been the Alpha and Omega if they would have dressed him up like a woman, 
harkening back to bosom buddies. Um, well, look, I mean, Hugo Weaving went back to Priscilla, Priscilla Queen of the yes, Desert. Thank so, you. And, thank and you. much nice better in that, can I say. Right. His, his, his nurse ratchet drag wasn't nearly as convincing. No, it was frightening almost. Uh, I But that, that's, that's... Well, he looked very Mrs. Doubtfire-ish. Right. <laughs> yes, true. Which is what I thought about doing that whole sequence. There are a lot of good movies about guys dressed in drag. But yeah, I think the uh, the all over the place the all over the place was uh, great, and it just felt like there was two different thoughts of movies that were trying to right. take place. And well, it was it was hard to tell when you were cutting in between the timelines what the thematic reason for putting a cut there. Mm-hmm. Sure, like why there isn't why this is. Oh yeah, six, you could cut stories you could cut in this a row movie together. And why they're intercut completely differently? If yeah, you wanted to. yeah. I mean, it it would be interesting to see it as a chronological cut. And that's 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 fa- like yeah, like Memento. I don't need it as a as a as a viewer. If somebody's like, you know, it kind of jumps back and forth. I'm like, that's totally fine. Right. But when it's like, are we are we supposed? We're Tarantino trained. Well, yeah, but are we supposed to be watching the the transference of soul through the universe, right. or are we supposed to be watching like, you know, what I mean? Are we? I mean, are we learning about redemption and just humans in general, or are we just seeing like two directors who have something to say about? Uh, you know about you know slavery versus about how slavery is treated in the future or something. Another interesting thing here is that this is like a three director movie. You got the Wachowskis and yep. you got Tom Tiger, who is the director of Perfume. Right. Uh, and I have no idea. I, I think they all got together well because they produced it, they wrote it, and they filmed it. Together. But they filmed did, separate did sections. Did they edit? It? They probably did. Uh, they probably did some editing. Tiger did the. Yeah. Tiger did the. Uh, um, the contemporary ones. I think he did the 73 and the 2012 one. The Wachowskis clearly did the futuristic, the sure. more futuristic ones, which right, yeah. you can see their stamp. That's more in their warehouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't think, the, I don't think the multitude of directors is really what felt like it muddled it. It just seemed like what a humongous story to put in something that yeah. probably could have been three movies well, or three TV episodes or something. Yeah, the, the reason I kind of want to see this again is the first run through, I was definitely watching it for plot, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. meant I didn't really have these issues of feeling jumpiness. I was fine. I, I didn't have any problem either with it being intercut. I had a little issue with some of the racial makeup, but it was mostly just, oh, that's that doesn't look Asian. Moving on. Um but since I was watching it for plot, it was just six intercut short stories, mm-hmm. each of which was interesting in a different way. And watching it again would be me trying to figure out, okay, so how do these actually blend together? Why are they blended this way? Why right. is this one mm-hmm. big movie instead of, yeah, a miniseries of six hour-long episodes? Yep. Instead of just, you know, watching them, boom, 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 boom. Right, yeah, why aren't we watching it as, here's the South Seas, okay, that's over, here's 1936, okay, that's over, here's 1970s. Yeah, I think chronologically it would have been a really, it would have been a very interesting arc to follow. And I think they, I think for their credit, they shot for the moon. They Mm -hmm. really did shoot for the moon. And I don't think what came out was an awful movie or one that, was really a struggle to get through. Although again, the three-hour playtime was like, we gotta we gotta digest a lot here. Right. But at the same time, I just really felt it was kind of shaky. I do th- I do think it's a very polarizing movie. I think a lot of people either. I think I give it a lot of ca- uh, cachet in terms of I think it's a very ambitious film. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I would like to I, I like watching it and kind of like trying to pick it apart mentally. I think that's an interesting exercise, and I I think I would recommend it to people, but also. It's a recommendation that relies on this is an interesting film to kind of pick apart for yourself, mm-hmm. right? not because it's in, 
Not like it's not going to change your life well, in any way. It's a three-hour film filled with Easter eggs. Like if you can you figure out that, all yeah. these mm-hmm. little, these little hidden connections, all these little. Oh, that's referencing the piece that he wrote. Stick from 70 years ago. And I can see where someone would, like, really hate that, like, in terms of... Why do I need to look for that? Like, they they talk about the blue diamonds that are on the the vest that Frobisher wears Mm -hmm. in in 1836, the the buttons in 1936. And then later, I mean, when you first see Tom Hanks, and he's, like, he's got, like, on his vest, he's got, like, them, like, beating on the corner. Or they talk about, like, finding teeth in the surface of the sand and in the future. I mean, there's, like, all these callbacks. And I think my second viewing, I was shouting them out, and you're just like, guys, guys... I'm trying to watch this for what well, I was trying to catch the initial plot. Yeah, yeah, yeah so sorry. And we kind of watched it as like it wasn't only the three of us; it was three other people mm-hmm. watching right. it with us, and like kind of co- other comments from the peanut gallery there. Because well, mainly know. I need to learn if that happens again. I'm not sitting between you two. <laughs> if you guys want to sit next to each other and talk, that's fine. But I can't be in the middle of it. We'll be buds. We'll be Cloud Atlas buds. Yep, we'll hold hands. Next time I'm going to pick movies you guys haven't seen, and I know by heart, and I'm going to quote the lines along. (laughs) (laughs) So it'll just be like my experience with you at Avenue Q. Right. Only, I guess I'll be talking in a high-pitched, sarcastic falsetto just to ruin the experience. What more do we have to say about this? Uh, That's all I've got so far. I I enjoyed it. I I can definitely see where you guys are coming from with the failed ambition, but uh, I, I failed ambition. All I right, think it's shooting a, shooting for the stars and not quite reaching. Yeah, it's not quite reaching. Call it. It. Yeah, I, I, I don't I, think they. I don't think it's a failure. Yeah, I think it's that's incredibly. A, that's exactly what I was going to say. There, it yeah, doesn't. It's not a failure. It. I mean, we'll get into this in the comparisons, but it didn't feel like if there's a deeper meaning that we're supposed to understand, it didn't feel like it quite connected. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if it's just six intercut stories, there was so much implication. Which is which is really, if, that, if it has any kind of failing, that's it. In terms of, like, it's a heavily connected film that fails to connect with you right. slightly. Yeah. Let's take a break, and we'll be right back. And we're back, and now we're going to tackle... Holy motors. Okay, strap in, everybody. All right, everyone. This is my favorite of these two movies. Yeah, I think it shows. It's balls awesome. Uh, so, Holy Motors is a French film. Uh, it came out, I think, uh, last year. Yeah, and 2012, it said. So, what this movie is, is about a man who takes various appointments during the day. What we're pretty sure this movie is. What we're pretty sure this movie is. Can I, I'm sorry, can I just interject for a minute? Sure, I just started, but you can interject. I need to interject. I'm a kind of a spoiler junkie, and before we get into these, and before we get, I mean, I try to do a little bit of research, you know, back of the DVD box kind of research, and... Cloud Atlas, for example, is like very detailed when they talk about each of the time periods. Holy Motors and, and Wikipedia has like, you know, a gazillion people who like to put in their nickel, has less information than you would find on the back of a DVD box about mm-hmm. this movie. It's true, yeah. Well, yeah. So the trailer was the trailer? singularly unhelpful. In <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so going into it, I want to be at least mildly prepared for what I'm getting into when we sit down to watch it together. And yeah, I, I was like... Okay, so... Uh... Well, that's a, that's the great thing about uh, talking about Holy Motors, because I don't really know how to describe it to people. Yeah. And, like, trying to describe it really is... Kind of takes away from the film. Yeah, yes. see, I, I'm the opposite of you, Mikey. I, when Once I've made the decision to watch something, I try to stop absorbing any information about it, which was good for this, because this movie just sort of happens at you for a while, and then there's credits. Oh, and I loved it, and thank you, first of all. Thanks. Yeah. Woo! 
for the for the high food. I was going in expecting you know double bill. We're watching two movies that have similar themes, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I'm like, is this going to be like Cloud Atlas? Atlas yeah. is very. I do. I do think there are similarities, but we'll get to that, yeah. and that we'll, yeah. we'll talk more about why I pick them as a double bill when we get to that. True. As seeing this movie, I'm sorry, Josh. No. How would you describe it? <laughs> how would I describe it? I would think. The best way I could describe this film is it consistently uh, upends your expectations. Every time you think you get something pinned down, it says, hey, yes. fuck you. Mm. Every, I'm going to punch you in the goddamn every face. Every time I came up with a hypothesis for what was going on, it was very well timed. The ne- Almost always the next scene would... Obliterate. Blow it out of the water. Yeah, just you don't even know. Oh, what's like, so this is these are people who are hiring him so they can work out like emotional issues. Wait a minute, both of the people in the scene are doing their appointments, so there's no real human here. I don't know what's happening. The yeah. world, is <laughs> cats and dogs living together. That's hysteria. So hey, okay, so he's a rich guy with a family who has appointments, and he's got nine specific appointments. Right, and so this is going to be like. A low-key French Jason Statham movie or something. You right. know? It could be. It's, it's just the appointments. Jason yeah. Statham running around to various things and shooting yeah, things. Driving around in a... The appointment Having appointments. <laughs> just, no, I'm afraid I'm not going to buy your company. Yes, I'm going to buy your company. Later, he has a cigar. Yeah, and it's like... And then he runs. Um, but it, it, it starts weird. And I'm like, oh... Quirky, 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 quirky. Yeah. I knew this was going to be quirky. This could be fun. I and then wait for then them it, to explain it. And then they shift into normalcy. And at, uh, as soon as that normalcy starts... Yeah, he's starts, just at his house. He's waking up for the day. He gets in a limo and... Talks to his... Talks to the driver and, like, let's talk about yeah. what's going on. And smokes a cigarette. list of appointments. Mm-hmm. Smokes Because they're French. Because we... Ha, 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 ha. Light, yeah. light, light. Smoke, smoke, smoke. Talking about how the... Implications: The work is dangerous. Like we should get guns. Uh, we've got to maybe we could mount something on the car. Mm-hmm. And, and, at, and at this point, and there's like bodyguards involved. And like yeah, yeah there's, there's a more whole bunch of bodyguards. Doesn't get into his cars at the beginning, at the front of the driveway where they're all parked. No, he walks down to the end of the driveway where the limo is. Gets in the limo and you're like, okay, oh, quirky, quirky, quirky. It's his morning stroll because he has to get exercise because he goes, totally doesn't get any in the second sequence. Right. Yeah. He and and you're like, well, this is this is interesting and. Everything is incredibly nondescript and kind mm-hmm. of just even keel until uh, the limousine turns into Bedlam Theater on wheels. Oh. It's basically it. It's and Bedlam all theater. of us want that limousine so badly I know, filled as with all the facial theater, hair you ever want. Theater people Costumes. with like mirrors that open up with like the whole lights and wigs, wigs and makeup, whiskey, sushi, bento boxes. And we're all and we're like and we're all performers. We're all in theater, and we're just like. Oh, I was brushing a wig. Sure, why not? What are you gonna you gonna put that wig on? And then he does. He and does. Then, and the next thing you know, you're introduced to the ten plus. I, it's it's not even like Cloud Atlas. It's like yeah. it's vignettes that don't really even bleed together. You're like, what are we now they, getting? They bleed into? together just enough that you try to figure them out, but not enough that you can. Yeah. Sort of. They they just sort of end, and he's in the limo again. Right. Yeah. Taking one. off that mustache and healing his. Throat that got stabbed with a switchblade, just wiping the blood off. In Costco or wherever he was, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. 
I think my, the big one, I like the first couple are sort of like, oh, I think he's just an actor doing things, really. Yeah. Right, yeah. You can sort of guess who hired him mm-hmm. to do these a little sure. bit. And then the third one happens. The motion capture one? No. No, the, um, the Monsieur, Monsieur Merd. Monsieur Merd shows up. Ugh. Okay. All right. But so he gets all googly eyes and straps bananas. on all of these uh, long fingernails and gets long hair, yeah. right? And then after he puts on his makeup, up, he eats his lunch. Yes. Sushi from a bento box, which looked very good. <laughs> Dressed as evil, crazy leprechaun. Um, <laughs> I, I couldn't even... Re- I, didn't rec- I didn't recognize him as a leprechaun until you pointed it out. He's wearing a green suit wearing with a, a bowler hat. How do you, and he has red hair. And he's, hair. Yeah, reddish hair. And he's speaking in like... And, and like even... Not even... He stops French. It's just a babble. He just starts babbling and like yeah, with the drops himself into the, yeah drops himself in the sewer and, and we were talking about that he the director did something in another movie where that this was, is a character from the movie Tokyo yeah. exclamation point because that makes sense and this but Finally, as soon as this, the mocap thing we even accepted because you know right before this he shows up and it, it turns into like some sort of ambitious like I guess. Uh, video game body motion capture mm-hmm. thing right. where it he's doing particularly kung fu by himself with it, a, but... and then he starts messing around with a contortionist. And you're like, oh, that's weird. Like, okay, but when Monsieur Merde shows up, and then when Ava Mendez out of nowhere, so like, this this troll sort of meanders through a cemetery, uh, eating the flowers, eating the flowers uh, with tombstones that say "Visit my website" on on them. Uh, he just bundles into a photo shoot where Eva Mendez is modeling, and the photo photographer is just like, "I want to shoot him. Get pictures of her with him. Come on, Beauty and the Beast." And so, you know, the assistant approaches him, and he's like, can, can we get you in this? And he bites off her fingers. Like steal, you do. Like, like you, you do. Like you do. Kidnaps Eva Mendez and takes her to the sewer. Takes her down into the manhole. The catacombs yeah, of Paris. The catacombs of Paris. Where, where he proceeds to re- tear her dress apart and make it into a... A, a burka. A sexy burka. <laughs> for teaches her how to walk a runway in the sewer... And then strips naked and, and strips lies in her lap with a Madonna and child. You miss the full frontal nudity that is not available in the Netflix. I didn't know Netflix voice. could do that. Yeah. I I, uh, I feel like I didn't miss that part, but I do feel like apparently it's very angry. Angry Wang. Yes. Is this this is Monsieur? Mi- mm. I've not seen it myself. I've only seen the Netflix version. The, the mini- rumor has it is Wang is angry. Heart, the the miniature Monsieur, <laughs> and the miniature Monsieur has one more milky eye and like screams at everybody. And, and a fake it, mustache. And a fake mustache. Uh, eats her hair. Yes. Let's not forget, he eats her hair. So he's down, he's down like flowers, fingers, and hair. He really eats it, too. I think he, he spits the fingers out. Like, if I recall right, he bites off the fingers and then there's a... <laughs> well, they still so. make an appearance inside his oral cavity. And... So he's been chewing on them? Probably. Ugh. Well, he had to, to bite them off. Well, I mean, the marrow's good. They, oh, that's good yeah. stuff in there. I mean, you got to work nutritious. with that. Well, how yeah. else? Well, besides the bento small. box, he's probably pretty hungry. So, anyway, we get... <laughs> So, Mr. Shit. Fingers. The yeah. human bent. We, we have Mr. Shit and Ava Mendez, who just shows up in this French foreign quirky movie. It's like, who? who what? What? Is this this <laughs> right. has got to be Nicolas Cage, right? That's the only person <laughs> yeah. I like, uh, Bring, 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 bring. And the, watching Cage. you two watch this sequence was amazing in just terms of like, what is going on, Josh? What is going on? Right. I think, well, uh, I mean, it, the quote, first off, when a troll kidnaps a beautiful woman and takes her to a sewer, there's... <laughs> Two, maybe three things that could happen, and none of them happen. 
They don't fall in love. He doesn't rape her. He doesn't eat her. She doesn't kiss him. He turns into a beautiful. He doesn't turn into a charge right. up argue, which just is like happens for a while. And He's then just he a troll. Leaves. He's just a troll. And my my quote, I believe, which is probably early on, was, "I get it, even though I don't get it." Was one of us said, "Was like, what is happening?" Yeah, I know. I, so yeah, the, uh, the do you mature- feel like you did get it and that you got it? I got portions. Actually, <laughs> well, <laughs> I think I figured out the overarching thing, and I'll talk about it at the end. Okay. okay, sounds good. Well, and then I mean, and then we get to the end of that of that vignette because at this point we're we're fourth or fifth into like this strange quirky movie, and and Brian has mentioned it. You you really start to feel like all right, you got me. Take me with you, and then like they pull well, the brakes. You can't watch this kind of movie and, and be like, no, explain this to me, director. Yeah, and then they go into the daughter pickup, and he's just like, oh yeah, let's go get her. And you're like, what? 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 Huh? Wait a minute. He mm-hmm. was he was like this foul guy. He's and in between, he's like taking his makeup off. And you're mm-hmm. like, so now we know he's becoming different characters, mm-hmm. or something, or something. But then, like, the daughter thing is just, like, is that his real self? Is mm-hmm. he really picking her up? Or is See, that another appointment I, that I he knew has? it wasn't his real self because his real self was bald and that's self. You don't know if that's his real self, though. Yeah. I was, yeah. Well, that could have been his front appointment, maybe, for all you know. Maybe you're right, but the, the ending the sequence could have been his real family. Because <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you got to fuck some monkeys. <sighs> Um, oh no! Spoilers! Spoilers! Oh no! Yeah, maybe just cuddle. He had a long day. Yeah, it's tired. So we get to this daughter pickup, which is I think we can all agree is probably one of the most normal-ish scenes that like normal, but it's also yeah. very sad. Yeah, well, it, it's very sad, and it, it's a little twisted, but it's twisted in a really realistic way where he kind of gives her some shitty advice, but mm-hmm. it, it's the kind of shitty advice you can see a person giving when he loves somebody. Mm-hmm. Is this a wealthy dad who is divorced and now he's talking to his daughter like, this is my only time with her, so you get yeah. in the car, we'll talk, and now I get out of here and go home. And yeah. yeah. He gets really angry with her. Right. and Yeah, and it's sort of like, you can't be a wallflower, you gotta get out there, but the way he's talking about it sort of implies like, you gotta be a slut. So it, it's kind of shitty advice, but it you know that happens. It's not, you know. Have you tried eating fingers? Have you tried kidnapping Ava Mendez? Maybe lady fingers are delicious. They're grandma food. All right, so then. Well, we got well that because that sort of ends. Right. And then it becomes the accordion sequence, which you two love. Right. Oh, uh, interval. Like the interval. The interval. Which, uh, they call it, until they say, we counted at the end, couldn't be sure it was an appointment. On Entract, yeah. We when we hear about the appointments, at this point we were counting appointments. But then it's it does this weird kind of hitch. Uh, well, it's a tracking shot of him. Tra- and he starts out with the accordion. Well, no, and he's no, no, walking no. But, around. But how it starts off is like it does the the old school uh, drive in, like you know, like you look oh, yeah. like in the they're changing the reels. Right. They have this weird black and white image of hands, and it says on track. And you're like, okay, well, what's going on? It's an intermission. Great. And yeah, the tracking shot in the church, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. It he's just by himself, and then suddenly he's joined by audi- other yeah. accordionists and as other instruments and then some enter the and guitars, guitar, and then a walking the snare, snare, and, and then there's a kid there, and a kid, and they're just and they're jamming, and they're and they're just no Good music, and it's too. it's Fun like jam. really like. It's such a peppy, crazy jam. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's very gypsy punkish. It's, it feels like a, yeah. something from Gogo Bardello. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I know people who could end up doing that in their real life. Just, yeah. I just, who's I, carrying instruments? Let's go into this abandoned building. And I'll and I'll say, I mean, this one, and you and I talked about this. We, I've watched that mm-hmm. probably a, about ten or eleven times. Let's go. It's I've fun. looked. I looked it up on iTunes just because I was like, I really kind of want to have that as like a running jam. 
Sounds crazy, but the 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 beat that is like would there. be a really good running Because there's enough variation Yeah. Oh God. Anyway, giving too much away is. Yeah, because we're gonna try to do it accordion with the three of us. It's it was great and weird, and the stopping point which we we led into. But then it was like instead of like one two three, you're just like. Three, Three, twelve, shit. And that's why I loved having, that's why I loved the the subtitles. It's like, three, twelve, shit. Like, whoa. But it works just as well. It just works just fine. Everybody knows three things are going to happen. It doesn't matter which three things those are. Yeah, but still, just what is... I still don't know what's going on, but I'm having a lot more fun this time, so... But that's the thing. Then it takes our perceptions of what's going on. It gives us a strange palate cleanser of music and mm-hmm. then it goes right back into the flow of the of the show and like okay what, what appointment did you think on? that segment the the accordion stuff bled into the sort of the assassin job like he was doing because I felt like it was almost the same character but not quite maybe because he sort of just hopped out and well no because no, like, he, he had that into, like, he was adding scar scars at the very end of his facial hair he, he definitely became a more sinister street thug kind of guy mm-hmm Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, well, all of them just because they were back to back. But that whole sequence happens, and the doubling in there occurs, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then he sort of does he exit sort of more like the accordionist. I can't remember. Uh, well, he exits having just been stabbed in the throat. In the throat, and like he's holding onto his neck. And there's that moment because to actually explain context to our listeners, uh, I'm like he, I'm thinking about he goes this in like to kill somebody, and then he does he stabs the guy in the neck kills him starts shaving him and dressing switching clothes with him and then the guy wakes up grabs a knife stabs him in the same place and they're lying side by side looking identical and then one of them stumbles out and gets mm-hmm. back in the limo and then we're like okay so is this going to be like a question of the doppelganger mm-hmm. or the real person or is this what and they yeah. they just say the movie is just like well let's not worry about that right now right. let's just yeah, go I mean, to the next vignette I presumed it was the same one because he was putting on fake scars to match yeah. the other guy yeah. and then he was taking him off but then I realized later that sort of realistic detail is not actually an anchor point for this right. sort of movie I don't know right. if I can trust that I trusted nothing with this movie hmm. well that's the great thing about this movie is I think it it sort of just keeps punching you in the face and really sort of pulls a rug out from under you at every opportunity that it has. Mm-hmm. And you sort of enjoy it for that reason. And uh, I can't really say much more about it than that because it's just, it's a ride yeah. that you have to go on. Uh, and I, I don't know how much more we want to get into this. Yeah, detail we, could, we, detail. Could, we could like literally walk through every single scene, but I agree with you. When you mentioned before when we were talking about Cloud Atlas... You said, you know, this is kind of a movie where it might be one that's almost best enjoyed on your own or doing what you did where you're like, if you find some open-minded folks who would like to watch it and be like, hey, are you interested in something that's yeah. a little weird? This, um, this is the sort of thing I would have to watch in a group because I have, afterwards I have to have that moment of, okay, we're going to sit around and talk about this shit in yeah. 20 minutes. Any because, questions? Man, yeah. Unlike us, we have two weeks to talk about it. Right? We're winners. But it is the sort of movie where it's really lent to, okay, everyone needs to explain their theories right now because I don't know what's going on, 
and maybe I can feel better about that if we all talk for a while. I don't know what is going on, even after watching it twice, and I could probably watch it three, four, five, umpteen yeah. num- number of times and still not have any kind of definitive, this is what it's about. Okay, so B- BWJ had the quote, I've never seen a racer head, but this reminds me of a racer head. And calling, I mean, and it, having seen my share of Lynchian movies, mm-hmm. this had like that kind of chaotic, orchestrated. Beauty. Yeah. Well, it, it has that same feel of like, it, it really feels like there's one key mm-hmm. that unlocks this movie, and if I can figure it out, everything will fall into place. Well, that whole and I have no idea where to start. That mm-hmm. whole opening sequence almost primes you to think that way, because yeah. he, you know he wakes up, this actor, uh, sees this wallpaper that is looks like a forest, uh, goes up to it, finds a door, his finger is suddenly a key, he pokes it in there, opens up the wall, and goes into a theater. Right. So, okay, I think from that I can sort of get the hypothesis of this movie, but it doesn't seem to kind of connect to it. Right, completely. yeah, right, right. Well, the the two things I've been able to come up with about this movie that I'll really stand behind. At the very end, he, ends, he goes home, but he's in a different home with a different family now, and you discover his family is a, a lady chimp carrying a baby chimp. And what I've come up with for that is whatever he is, whether he's a ghost or an angel or an alien or whatever the or an archetype creating ideas and culture, whatever the hell, he's operating on a level so far above people that living with a new family every life would be like one of us moving in with a chimpanzee carrying a baby chimpanzee. So this There's guy no... was Tom Hanks, basically, is what we're saying. Um, sure. Or a savant, he... maybe. Well, he's he's operating on a level where he's just interacting with people. Like, he can't connect because mm-hmm. there's that much evolutionary difference. He's the That's how I explain him living with a goddamn chimp. I'm not saying it's a very good explanation, but it helps me get through the day. I feel like we almost have to explain it that you put the chimps out there. Because uh, his final appointment, he's handed a folder that says, Your house, your mother, or no, your wife, your daughter... Mm-hmm. And then he arrives there, he goes in, and he's greeted yeah. by a chimp in the yeah, well, and he spends a few seconds going, Honey, it's just me. I'm home. How was your day? And then a chimp comes in carrying a baby. And you're like, God damn you, movie. <laughs> I thought I had you. Like, it was again. so close. I, I was, so close. I was like, I have this figured out. He's going home. Okay, he's, he's, he's gone. All right, what he's, the God he's damn you? Out. But the thing is... The, this is then what him and this his movie, chimp wife looked at the stars. This is what the movie does, though. It sets that piece up so domestically that he's outside smoking, he's looking up, and he's like, okay, I gotta go. Puts a cigarette out, key, and they're like, this is like so, this is gonna just be like, oh, yeah. this is a day in life. But no, he's got a fucking chimp for a wife, and you're like, and yeah, you're like, good! And then, it, you're like, well, this movie just cannot get any fucking weirder. You weirdos. No, God don't let, leave them some weirdness and at then, the yeah, end. That, that's not the just, final beat. And then it, the final beat is just like, you have to be more weird just to, you have to be a weird sandwich. That's <sighs> like motors. That's like Poshman's, mo- no, that's like so many different kinds of mustard. All right, so the explanation I've come up with for this whole movie is don't try to explain this whole movie. <laughs> it's a little bit of a cop-out, but it's because the, the plates don't overlap. There's enough individual plates that make sense, but they don't fit when you compare yes. them to other plates. I really, if I had to give this movie, like, a meaning, I, I, I think it's about acting in the roles we play. I think that's it. I think that's what it's about yeah. if you really wanted to, like, kind of distill it down. Right. Uh, because, really, he's playing a bunch of roles, and that sort of final role that he attends at the end is, like, wow, you really have to play that role. <laughs> 
to a couple chimps. It's uh, I, I think that's what it means. I think right. that's sort of like a comment on the roles we play and or it could be about like the acting genre too. I, I think we the reason mm-hmm. I think it's about acting is some sort of the veiled comments. I mean, they're all sort of elliptical. You don't really right. they, you have to look at them sideways to find any meaning in them. But like in terms of like that whole sequence at the beginning where he's in the limo and sort of talking like, oh, we need more body cars. Oh, we need to be we need more guns. We need to make this more realistic, etc. And then when he's talking to his supervisor in the car and the supervisor's like, it's just, people don't believe anymore. You I mean it's getting harder and harder? People's cameras are the size of the. Their heads. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's so easy. Mm-hmm. It's so easy, but it's also yeah. so hard. So, I think yeah, if I was to distill this into three words, it'd be theater, cigarettes, monkeys. Theater, cigarettes. You say and that about every movie. Well, isn't that true? I almost feel like it could be the description of um, *Planet of the Apes* with Charlton Heston. Or, yeah. yeah. Or two, or two <laughs> I'm fairly sure he smokes in the spaceship at the beginning of that film. He see, he seems like a guy who's always smoking, even when he's not. Roddy McDowell smoked in his chimp outfit. They've got behind the scenes pictures. Oh yeah, I've oh, seen yeah. those posted in and cool eating. And eating. Yeah. Those are fun. So, uh, I again, this is this is one of the times that I I'm really actually, I mean, I'm very honest, I'm very grateful for you to introduce this kind of a movie to me because it it. Fucked with my perceptions, it mm-hmm. it didn't it fucked with my viewing experience, but in a not aggressively poor way that left me feeling stupid. It left us all having conversations and and the what the fuckery, yeah, having thoughts, and then like afterwards, yeah, like waking up and being like, there is just more to this movie. There's more to this movie. I love this film because it's like there's so much about it that I think is weird and bizarre but also that I really love it's 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 like somebody I've fallen in love with faults and all and I just love every little nook cranny of their body and it's I love how amazing. every time when I wake up I don't know what they're gonna be what they're <laughs> they could be a chimp like. they could be an old beggar lady they could be Kylie Minaj whatever they could be two snakes having sex or they could be a guy getting shot while having dinner whatever that's it could love. happen that's love <laughs> if it's not love, it's really strong like. And then, you know, Holy Motors, because that fucking makes sense for a title of the movie. <laughs> well, I think in that last beat, maybe you can make some sort right. of kind of Well, that last that. beat is just like, okay, we know what motors are. The end. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All let's, right. Let's take another break yep. and we'll discuss the connections between the films. Mm-hmm. And we're going to discuss the connections between Cloud Atlas and Holy Motors. Can we do it? Nope. Good luck, guys. See ya. <laughs> uh, all right. I got one thing. Okay. Um, well, what, what, why don't we start with like why I picked this movie, these, this pairing. Why did you pick it, this because pairing? Because you hate us. Because you're highfalutin. It wasn't just to, you know, pick two films that you will probably fuck your brains a little bit. Yeah, if that was true, you would have picked one of those 24-hour Andy Warhol deals. I would have picked one of those yeah. because he's a fucking dick, is what he is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, I picked these because in Cloud Atlas, there's a bunch of... There's the whole ensemble playing mm-hmm. the different roles throughout each of the periods. Right. And then I picked Holy Motors to pair with that because it's the one actor playing multiple roles at all these various mm-hmm. appointments. So it's this uh, sort of... Uh, 
Oh yeah. If I wanted to bring out that comment about acting more, that would be it in terms of my connection between these films. Both of these films must have been a joy of a challenge for actors, because I mean, holy crap, Mm -hmm. getting to play that much variety in one piece. Cloud Atlas was filmed uh, simultaneously, so both all three directors. Cloud Atlas was filmed live in front of a studio audience. Well, they were filmed so that these people made up mostly of Susan Sarandon. I mean, yeah, Susan Sarandon was played by. Tom Hanks and Nicolas Cage. Mm. But no, they said that they, that the directors, well, you know, Susan Sarandon. Ah! Ah! Susan Sarandon is portrayed by 15 rabbits in a trench coat. But they they said they filmed all three units were filming simultaneously. So the actors literally were like going from like period costumes to to being flown over to Hawaii to like film like these weird, or New Zealand to film these weird neo soul scenes. Mm. Um, other than that, other than like the the convoluted, I guess, storylines that beg you to like follow carefully, which I think uh, Cloud Atlas takes. I think going back, Cloud Atlas, I think takes a lot more liberties with your patience in that aspect. I think it's like really asks you to like. They're like you know they they did their ambitions and they're like you better stay with us if you want to find out what's going to happen. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. but I think with Holy Motors. There comes a point when I maybe after the third or fourth vignette where you're just like, This is fucking weird. Okay, yeah. now he's a little shit demon leprechaun. And maybe I think I'm figuring it out, but you just give up and then you're treated as your award for yeah. saying, Just thanks for hanging out with us. Here's an accordion concert, you know? I feel like in terms of like I mean, we're all white Americans here in terms of like the white male Americans. Mm-hmm. I'm not of the heteronormative sort, but you two are. Hey. I, think. I think mainly. Well, mainly. Never mind. Why we, did I even start We got this a whole rainbow spectrum. I'm a goddamn Ken doll. What are you talking about? <laughs> Anywho, uh, we are sort of like I think keyed into like the mainstream of American culture sure. in terms of like movies and such. I mean, we go to the movies every now and then. We see like the big things that Hollywood puts out. I think Holy Motors is a huge like tonic against like any kind of thing that Hollywood puts out. It's so different. It's mm-hmm. so out there, and it's. It really challenges the expectations that Hollywood has kind of put right. on your brain. Well, Hollywood's made plots so very simple so that they can play in foreign markets because we don't have to translate them mm-hmm. as much. Yeah. It's, it's just run from explosion. It's an easy. And this is a digestibility issue. You've got to be able. To, I mean, I guess, yeah. I don't want to say I don't want to elevate our fucking selves like, but they do, and they have to they kind of have to pander just a smidgen. Well, they have, they have to simplify to make it more universal, right? And to drive those numbers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I think, All Hollywood has right now is the international market to like make buck anymore because right. the DVD sales are going down. Yeah, and, 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 uh, streaming. Advertise. Hello, we've yeah. got streaming. Uh, streaming has like overtaken it, and they're not making a lot as much money as they used to. Right, which is, advertising is only getting more expensive, mm-hmm. so that's just making it more and more difficult to make a profit. Which is why I'm glad a movie like Holy Motors exists, uh, because I think there are there are challenging films. We mm-hmm. have we have challenging movies. We have movies oh, that yeah, are are Hell, how, but they're hard to find. They're too. hard to find. They they pop up. They become like. They become deliberately marketed so that they become uh, award season fodder, you know, like yeah. this time of year. I mean, you, we go into things thinking, all right, well, summer is not a time of the blockbuster. Late summer is when we release shitty horror movies or maybe something that's been shelved. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like a fucking back-to-school specials. Well, well, there's a much bigger difference between this sort of film when it's good and when it's bad. Yes. Like a horror movie between good and bad, it's distinctive. We, you can figure it out, but it's still the bad ones are close enough that they're still going to make money. Mm-hmm. If you make a Cloud Atlas or Holy Motors that's bad, it's going to be incomprehensible. Right. Well, like I mean, talking about horror movies specifically, there's Cabin like, in the Woods. Well, Cabin in the Woods is a great example of 
a horror movie that does well or at least hits with the right audience. Like The Purge, that movie is going to make money whether it's good or bad. Right. Yeah. Because it's constructed in such a way as it has a low budget, only a certain number of people have to see it, mm-hmm. and those certain number of people will see it because they're of the demographic and mm-hmm. they will make money. Mm-hmm. Whether or not it's good or bad is sort of beside the point. Yeah. I, I want to see it, and that's because the trailer for a good version of The Purge and a trailer for the bad version of The Purge are the same trailer. Mm-hmm. Right. They're, you can't tell the difference from there. You have to see the movie and figure out if the ending's a cop-out or not, basically. But, I, I mean, like, I, my point is that I enjoy a movie that is, that sticks with you. A movie that sticks with you and that you can talk about afterwards that isn't a fucking requiem for a dream kind of thing where it's just like, the image is like, that's the best movie I never want to see again. Right. Holy Welcome Motors. to the dollhouse. I had to pause that yeah. movie every three minutes the entire run or, yeah. and go like wander around my kitchen for a while. Todd so fucking Solon's entire filmography could be seen as movies that you're like, God damn it, what am I watching? Mm. Holy Motors, I can see watching, like you said, three, four, five, six more times, making discoveries, bringing people on board with you to say... Take it's and it's short. It's like less than two hours. It's an enjoyable. Well, you know, yeah. I guess I guess that's something that has in common with Cloud Atlas because I, I I don't mind sh- telling people to watch Cloud Atlas. I, I it was with the caveat, of course, this is like you know you'll probably you might not like this movie, but I think you should watch it. I think you should experience this film because mm-hmm. it's it's ambitious. I mean, I think you're going to come away with an opinion of it mm-hmm. in terms of whether even if you hate it, you're going to hate it. If you love it, you're going to love it. Or if you're somewhere in the plane, you're going to tell me why you're right, somewhere right. in between. Uh, where Holy Motors is the same thing. You're probably, I, I would hope that you would come away liking it. Is I think my the difference between it and Holy Mo or uh, Cloud Atlas. I yep. want you to come away from Holy Motors liking it. Yeah, like a lot because I think it's I think it, it grows on me every time like I watch it because I think it just keeps it keeps triggering something within myself that makes me really enjoy film a lot more. Yeah. Well, the it, the interesting about these t- thing about these two is they're kind of opposites because Cloud Atlas is a very realistically told series of stories with implied symbolism connecting them. And Holy Motors is a very, very symbolic thing with a sort of implied realistic undertone to it, which you can never really put your finger on. Cloud Atlas, if you broke these up into six short films and just watched one of them, it would still be good. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those films could work on their own. They wouldn't have the same implied richness. uh, Some stuff wouldn't make as much sense, but you could still do it. And while you can do that with Holy Motors, too, it doesn't have the same effect as just blasting through all of them in a row right. and then sitting there afterwards trying to put yourself back together. I like how Holy Motors utilized the idea of theatricality, of mm-hmm. theater, of acting, of creating and becoming a character. Uh, and, and in Cloud Atlas, the characters who were played by the same actor, it was sort of like part of the story. Like it was. Well, yeah. I think the theatricality there is is just sort of in your face. It's not like in Holy Motors, you're you're seeing that theatricality uh, writ large. Right, right, right. Uh, whereas you know he's putting on the makeup, he's putting on the wig, he's mm-hmm. adjusting his uh, yeah. scars and teeth or whatever. But in like Cloud Atlas, you know, you go from scene to scene, mm-hmm. and you know Jim Broadbent has a bigger nose, or Tom Hanks' uh, facial plane is different. Sure. Uh, mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, they just did the makeup weird, and that's one of the reasons I. That that makeup, if if we weren't seeing those like you know, narratives together like that, it, the the makeup makeup will probably be less um, 
obvious. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if this was broken up in just a chronological pieces and we were watching them in like half hour segments uh, as a special over the course of a week, we'd probably notice that less. But right. instead of as just like some sentence, of them, anyway, some of them. But instead, I might not have even recognized uh, Soon Me and the first one. It was the fact that they brought her on at the very last vignette from the South Pacific as mm. the wife of Jim Sturgis's character. Yeah. That we right. all went. Oh. And also that she was not just made put in white face, put put in like freckled red hair, red ginger hair. Yeah. Nice, yeah. They tra- they used the model from the movie Brave from from Merida to uh, dress her up. Pippi Longstock. Yeah. Pumpy Longbottom, which just is a little odd. It just it it was jarring, but um I, th- that sense of theatricality where it was it was deliberate and in your face versus played out just at at as part of the storyline. Yeah, yeah, it's a. a, a I don't know. It, it almost lent a certain normalcy to Holy Motors. Yeah, that's that, and that's what that's what I dug about it. It's like it lent the normal. Theater was the normal. Yeah, right. theater, theater normative, and so we have theater normative, and then we have. Uh, but then they go into these fantastically fucked up things because again, I have to point out Ava Mendez, Kylie Minogue, mm-hmm. American Foxy, you know. Yeah, I mean, we didn't even talk about Kylie Minogue's like the musical sequence in this, right? Because yeah. we want to—that's a discovery that you know they say Kylie Minogue is in this, and everybody's like, you know, like nah, 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 and you're like, no, hers is like heartbreaking. Although, her, mm-hmm. although they do have one of her clubby songs in there twice. Oh, in the party, song. yeah, yeah, in the background, both yeah. in the background of the party, and as the ringtone for the daughter. So yeah, okay, so there's Kylie Minogue, and then she sings this sad <sighs> dirge. Oh, intertwininess. Yeah. And so just, yeah, um, both of these films are heavily intertwined, not with their own narratives, and almost sort of with each other. And like, oh, right, I, I like I liked how you were like in terms of talking about them being inverses of each other, it, they, which is how I initially described. Which is uh, I had seen I had seen Cloud Atlas first uh, back last year. Uh, my friend David and I went, and then I had saw seen uh, Holy Motors recently on the recommendation I think of uh, the. The Stranger, uh, Dan Savage's Savage's blog. Uh, mm. They have a, like a kind of theater club or a movie club, oh, and I, they, I thought they you were rec- talking about the Phantom Stranger. No, and I got really not. excited. Uh, but uh, they they recommended that for their movie club, and I was like, oh, that sounds fun. I would like to watch that. Uh, and I watched it, and I was like, wow, this is sort of inverse Cloud Alice. Is exactly how I described it on Twitter, mm. uh, and. I think it really is that. I, the mood isn't completely different. I, I I can't remember how you described it, but like you know, sort of like naturalist, realistic. Yeah, yeah. The um, naturalism with implied symbolism, symbolism, <laughs> symbolism thick and and sopping, with implied realistic yeah, naturalist elements, yeah. which just don't fit with each other. So I thought it was fascinating. Both of them, both of them are fascinating. I love them mm-hmm. both, but I really love Holy Motors. Yeah. I, I think they did pair well together, actually. They do. They, yeah. they, I mean, it was a great choice, great dull bill. Uh, if I was gonna, I guess, if we're gonna talk about, I think I enjoyed Holy Motors much, much more. Oh yeah, I enjoyed Holy mm-hmm. Motors much more than Cloud Atlas. I don't know. I, I enjoyed both of them with different parts of my brain. Uh, Cloud Atlas is the one I want to see again, because I feel like if I watch that again or read the book or watch it a couple more times I might actually figure out most of the connections not all of the easter eggs but most of the connections Holy Motors I know I will not and so while I'll while I would enjoy watching it again and I certainly am going to end up watching the accordion scene again uh, when we sat down to watch these, I hadn't watched both of them for the second time. But watching them the second time, I enjoyed Holy Motors the most the second mm. time through. Cloud Atlas, 
I enjoyed it still, but it wasn't as much as I enjoyed Holy Motors well, the second maybe, round. Maybe because Cloud Atlas is more focused on plot. So when you know the plot, you know, you've got the extra colors to check for, but you're still, you know how this story's going to end. Holy Motors, it, the plot exists, but it's more about the experience, the mood that it mm-hmm. puts you in, and that's going to be not the same, but similar each time, that, that arc that you go through emotionally. Sure. Mm-hmm. Well, gentlemen, what more do we have to say about these films? I think if I was talking about Holy I would, I this is about as big a praise I can put on. I'd probably want to own Holy Motors, like, personally in my collection, so I'd have the luxury mm. of watching it any time and lending it to people, like a book that you really want to recommend to people. And, you know, yeah. I, I agree with you, but I actually own Cloud Atlas and not Holy Motors, because Holy <laughs> Motors is on streaming, so it's just very easy to put. Well, it could be one of those, like, I don't know what to get this person for their birthday. Aha! That sort of thing. <laughs> oh, no, what a loaded birthday present. <laughs> right? Enjoy. <laughs> it's French. <laughs> And here's a bottle of Peru. <laughs> I'm just going to hide all your sharp things. <laughs> so in terms of if, like, uh, what did it better, I don't, I didn't really prepare Ugh. any what did it better for this, but I really, I, well, you, being part you, of my movie collection, well, Holy Motors would do it better. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you built this as an ensemble thing. That's what drew the connection for you. So which, which movie did the... Use of the same actors playing different parts. Oh, Dennis, Dennis Levant, who plays all the roles in Holy Motors. I mean, that's a tour de force for him. Oh, yeah. Like, he I was mean, a chameleon. He was literally a chameleon. Like, that's what he, that was his job in this film as an actor, was to be a chameleon. It's an incredible tour de force for him. Like, as a, for his acting resume, like, oh, cash checked. Yeah. Check cashed. The, I mean, the energy to push forward with, it was bombastic. Just, Boom, 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 mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Well, if I had to pick anybody in Cloud Atlas who I think did a really good job, who would I say? I would have to say that... I like Jim Sturgis, actually, quite a bit throughout that for that film, but Jim Broadbent as well. I mean, none of that... All the acting was good. I mean, in terms... I don't Hugo think... Weaving it, felt like he was the most committed to each different part. Yes. I mean, but, uh, he was also because they were so different. Yeah, they were all different. They were all really big, yeah. like, in terms of the roles he was playing. Like, oh, yeah. uh, playing I mean, old Georgie. Though. Old Georgie. I mean, he could, he could just chew the scenery as walk much as on, he wanted. Walk but, on the Because you're not really sure if he's actually a character or just something yeah. Tom Hanks is For a while there, I was wondering if he was a defense mechanism for the base, like, this... Share yeah, is he like a hologram, hologram sort of thing? I'm, I'm going to put, put this one out there. Uh, I was trying to remember his name. Ben Wishaw as, uh, as the uh, young bisexual writer who has all those voiceover monologues and who has the whole thing about it. He goes, some people think that suicide is a coward's act. He goes, yeah. I, he goes, on the contrary, I think it takes a lot of tremendous amount of courage. Oh, that so oh yeah. That, well, that, his, that his, his, He goes, I stood there and I smoked my last cigarette and I saw you walking around with that ridiculous hat that you were wearing. <laughs> and it's just like, God, that just like took a... Again, oh, my God, I want to try. Oh, You're yeah. just describing it. Yeah, that, just like, that part was probably the the most interesting role in the movie. But, oh, yeah. And he was so... And he, that's when... I'm, I mean, it wasn't like a makeup... But that's, I believe, the only role he really played throughout the whole thing. He was he played Frobisher, and and all of his letters to Sixsmith were the love letters mm-hmm. that again the, the the books underneath the the bed, um, the letters that Holly Berry was reading that she got from older uh, Sixsmith, you know, and just he was like you know that's a, oh, somebody who was very dear to me. Uh, yeah, I think Ben Weshaw 
was fantastic. But I also yeah, that think that actor was amazing in the role he was playing. Yes, was yeah. really built for him. And if you guys ever, I mean, great. on a on a on a really quick segue, if you guys have seen or have not seen Perfume, give it a look. It's a gorgeous period. Yeah, I haven't movie. seen Perfume. Wonderful. I've heard I've heard good things. I've heard bad things. Like it's another one of those movies that people are very polarized about. <laughs> it shouldn't be. It's 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 a piece of work, and he that kid is he's going places. He played Q in uh, Skyfall. Yeah, he did. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's right. You are right. Uh, okay, I'll look him up. I'll, right. s- I'll see if I can watch Perfume. In the Give her a whirl. We got Alan Rickman, Dustin Hoffman. It's a it's a piece. It's a great piece. Oh yeah, mm. that's. I mean, who doesn't want to watch Alan Rickman? Mm. So oh. our next double bill. We don't know. I'm going to post that at a later date, yes. and we'll get back to you on what it's going to be. Uh, probably within a week of the next episode going up. So this is going to go up on Wednesday-ish, and then three weeks later we'll have our next double bill, and sort of mm-hmm. somewhere between there I'll put up a little bumper episode or some sort of message that announcing uh, the next double bill. Right. Great. What and who and why. And... Yeah. What, who, why. Now? When? You soon, know. soon. <laughs> no, Josh. Hey, great, great choice though. This this time around, this was yeah. really fun, and I love the I love the discoveries of both of them. Good, jo- good choices. Thank you. Uh, I want. Uh, I hope we do more of the sort of pushing the envelope in the future. I know that we we've talked about this. Uh, as a triad that we don't only want to have movies be our double bills we want to try something different as we go along sort of movies are our baseline for now I think we all have our little schemes for the future yeah I think so I'm gonna I'm gonna see about uh, when my next pick comes up whenever that comes up uh, trying something a little different that's out of the movie realm and and I I want to mix a um, Da Vinci sketch with a French dip sandwich I would I would like (laughs) I would like us all to have a field trip to the the Gasthaus German restaurant to uh, each of us order the uh, the meter sauce Sausage, where you get a certificate if you can finish the meter sausage, and then we finish off the night by watching Boogie Nights. Ah, what excellent cross promotion! Like we got to get the restaurant in on that. That certificate tastes like ashes. That certificate is a star. It's a big, bright, shining star. <laughs> <laughs> this dish uh, was a big Philip bright. Seymour Hoffman. <laughs> I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. <laughs> Maybe right. we should post the long lost episode. Ooh. 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 I'll tease Secrets. that. I'll tease that. Tease. The long lost tease. episode. We're all pulling on our non existent beards. Yeah, I don't have a beard. Twirling our non existent beards. Brian has the closest thing to a beard here. I got stubble with a person. He also has a reverse beard, i.e., a ponytail. Oh, what? <laughs> He's a got the mat- beard. A reverse beard is a neck beard where you shave the mustache. <laughs> That's the, the Amish guy. That's a reverse beard. What's Maybe it would be a backwards beard. I, th- I think it's just when your hair gets long and you tie it back. I don't know why you're trying to put a nom de hair on it. <laughs> nom de hair, by the way. All right. I think that's where we end it. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Everybody out there in podcast land, share the podcast however you please. And if you like the music in the show, it's by Anna Weggle, and you can listen to more of her music at AnnaWeggle.com. Yeah, theme song. Woo! Woo! Theme song. Double bill, double bill. Comparing culture, it's double bill. Putting two things together, it's double bill. It's double bill. Double bill, 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 double bill